Well, it's a joy for me to bring a a good friend uh, from long ago to the microphone. Uh, Steve Saint was born and raised in Ecuador, where his parents were missionaries. Uh, Many of you remember the story of his father, who was uh, martyred by the Aka Indians, now called the Wadani Indians, as one of the five young men that were killed by them as they flew into a a, a river uh, trying to reach them with the gospel. Almost miraculously, two years after uh, the killings, Steve's Aunt Rachel was invited to uh, live with the tribe. Until her death in 1994, Steve had many opportunities as a young man to uh, go up and and be with the people who had slain his father. And He came to love them, to regard them as family. He was actually even baptized uh, by one of the tribal members and embraced as a son. I asked Steve to come and join us because I I thought he could give us a a fresh vision of missions and outreach and uh, share with us some of the innovative things that he's been doing to reach out to uh, these uh, tribal people in Ecuador. I just trust this interview is going to be a blessing to you. Steve, it's wonderful to get back together with you. I feel like this is old uh, high school reunion week. I really want to introduce you to our members and have them to get to a little know about your story and what God's doing through your life. And I think uh, maybe we should start way back with uh, when you were very little and your dad. My dad was a uh, bush pilot, had come out of World War II and wanted to use his aviation training and, and you know the passion that he had for flying in combination with his passion to serve the Lord. When I was five, my dad was uh, killed by a group of Indians that he and four friends were trying to contact. There are hundreds and thousands of other missionary stories like this, but for some reason this one happened to catch the world's attention, and it didn't stop with my dad and his friends being killed. Then two years later, one of the uh, widows, uh, Elizabeth Elliott, and my Aunt Rachel, my dad's sister, were invited to go in and live with the very people that had killed my dad and Jim and their three friends. It wasn't oh a couple of years after they had been in that my Aunt Rachel invited me to go out and live with her for a short period of time. So I met the people that killed my father when I was probably 10, and I loved it in the jungles. They took me out and showed me how to hunt and fish. and I mean, they really cared for me like I was part of the tribe. What was the big change? Why on one time were they, you know, they killed your dad and these other four men, and then just a few years later were inviting you to come in? What happened? Well, I think I could probably tell you best in uh, in the words of Minkai. He's been here in the States, and we just came back from Amsterdam 2000, where he shared the answer to this question that you're asking with 12,000 itinerant evangelists. And what he says is, you know, before we and our ancestors didn't live well because we didn't know how to. He said we couldn't walk God's trail because we had never seen it. When we sawed God's markings, that's that's what they call uh, the Bible. He said when we saw God's markings, then we could follow his trail. And he said following his trail, now we're going to go to where God is. And he said when we started following God's trail, his Holy Spirit came in and with Jesus' blood dripping and dripping, he washed our hearts clean. And now we live well because we see well, and uh, we want to tell other people. My aunt stayed down there with the Waodani and spent the rest of her life there until she died in 1994. Hmm. And then I went down to help bury her because of all the five families 
I was really the only one that had over you know years had spent any time with the Waodani and really knew them to any extent. So I went down to represent our family in burying Aunt Rachel, and then they came and they said, Bobby, we want you to bring your family and you come down here and live with us. And then I said, what can I do for you that you know the oil companies and all these other people that are doing things for you aren't doing? And they said, Bobby, the young people are not listening to God's carvings or God's markings. And I said, well, what could I do about that? And they said, we don't say you do. I said, we say you showing us, we ourselves will do. We will teach them to follow God's trail. You know, then I was confused. They already had the New Testament, and I couldn't figure out what they needed from me. So I asked them, and they said, the missionaries have airplanes, and they can travel because there's no roads out there in the jungle. And the missionaries have medicine, and they can fix people's teeth. And when they do that, even people who don't follow God's trail see them well. But the foreigners can't speak God's carvings to them. But they said, if you would teach us to do those things, we can speak God's carvings and teach them to walk God's trail. Suddenly, I couldn't almost imagine anything else but to go. And I had really no clue how in the world I was going to help them do the things. I mean, these are people coming out of the Stone Age how I was going to help them do things that outsiders had always done for them. So how did you handle these requests? I know, you know, airplane, dentistry, medicine, uh, what did God do? I mean, this this is getting exciting. In dentistry, um, a dentist came from Orangeburg, South Carolina, came to Ecuador, and he was doing some work for some of the missionary families. But he wanted to go out into the jungle, so one of the missionaries asked me if I would fly him out and give him a little exposure and let him do some dental work for the Waodani. And I just said, the elders have told me that they don't want to invite anybody else to come back in, at least not to uh, our community, unless they teach the people how to do it. This fellow only wanted to go in for one day, but he came to me himself and said, you know, I'd really like to go and I'd really be happy to teach the people. And I thought, well, there's not much you can teach in one day, but hey, if you're willing, okay, I'll take you in. So I took him in. He and his pastor stayed there in Nimompare. I had some flying that I had to do, so I went out. When I came back that afternoon, he confronted me immediately, and he said, Steve, why did you tell me that none of these people knew how to prep teeth? And I said, because they don't. He said, yeah, they do. And I thought, you know, this guy's been out here less than 24 hours, and he's telling me something that I know is not true. I said, listen, I've known these people all my life. They don't know how to prep teeth. None of them do. And he said, Steve, I don't know these people, but he said, I've been a dentist for a long time. And he said, today, I was out there in the bank of the river, and I gave this young lady Novocaine. Then I came up to the house to get something to drink. When I went back down to uh, prep her teeth and fill them, her teeth were all prepped. And it was done by somebody who knew what they were doing. I had absolutely no way of explaining what happened. So I said to the people, the uh, doctoro, he says that somebody made holes in her teeth. And, boy, everybody got kind of nervous and looked around. And I said, no, no, he says that somebody did it very well. And still nobody said anything. And I looked at one of the elders, Tementa. He had this funny grin on his face. I said, Tementa, did you do it? And he said, well, I saw that he had already given her the thorn, and I was curious. So I said, you mean you drilled her teeth? who taught you to do it? And he said, the dentist did. You know, then I started thinking, that's how these people learn. They never take somebody and say, come here, I want to show you how to do this. 
They just do it, and if the person is interested, they watch. That's how they teach their children. So Tamanta, he watched Steve drilling teeth, and he decided, hey, let me have a crack at that. So when Steve left, he uh, drilled Mangati's teeth. And then Steve said to me, if he could do that without having anybody explain it to him just from watching, then these people shouldn't be pulling teeth. They ought to be fixing teeth. I said, man, you are singing to the choir now, but are you willing to help us? And he said, what can I do? And then I didn't know, I mean, what could he do? He couldn't come down and do a dental school down in the jungles. That wouldn't be practical. So we made a deal, and he invited me to fly to Orangeburg, South Carolina. And I did for just two days. And in two days, he gave me just, you know, as much as he could teach me how to drill and then how to fill, just using teeth that he had pulled, uh, set in... Uh, dental cement in Dixie Cups. Then I went back down to the jungles and I trained two of the Waodani. By the time I got back several months later, they knew a lot more about it than I did. So then we started working on hardware because, you know, we couldn't be carrying generators and gasoline and that all over the jungles. So um, we've been working on that for the last three and a half years. So what do you come up with? We finally have come up with an entire dental operatory that includes a very high-tech collapsible chair, and it's not something jury-rigged. I mean, this is base-age materials, very, very sturdy. And then a, an electric drill that we make out of a, um, a very small motor and housing that we power it with a small 12-volt battery that's recharged either from a cigarette lighter or by a solar panel. And when you put the whole thing together, it weighs about 35 pounds, and it'll fit in the overhead compartment on the airline, so it's highly transportable. Within the Waodani tribe, I think for the first time in a long, long time, they are realizing that the commission that Christ gives to all believers is a commission to them as well, that they need to be involved in taking God's carvings to their own people. They had just, I think, pretty well come to the conclusion that their role was just to watch. And unfortunately, that's happening around the world where national believers are believing that Christ's Great Commission is really sort of a uh, spectator sport, and they're supposed to be the spectators, and these Olympians from North America are the ones who are supposed to come and do all these things, translate the Bible and evangelize them. And really, in the Bible, the commission that you and I have is the same commission that Dement and Minkai have. I have come to the conclusion that we need to rethink our involvement in the Great Commission as it involves missions and that we need to be careful that we don't do for indigenous believers what God intended for them to do for themselves. On the other hand, we do have these incredible resources and um, I think one way that we can use those resources is to take tools that we have seen be effective in missions and to reinvent them so that they're appropriate for people who don't have the resources that we do and don't have the formal education that we do so that they can use these same tools that have proven to be effective in planting the church in missions so that they can use them to build the church, which is their responsibility. Steve, you've inspired and given us ideas and blessed us through your own testimony. I just want to thank you for for being so transparent. I know you've impacted my life, and uh, thanks for being on with us. Uh, we're just going to be praying that God's going to use you to continue to impact not only the Wadani, but the, the whole world, and we'll praise him for that. Well, Dave, thanks for uh, letting me join you today, and uh, I um, just want to say that I appreciate a 
great, great deal. Professionals who are using their skills and sharing them with people overseas, even when it means just going for a few days. If we can pass on those, those skills or part of those skills to our indigenous brothers and sisters, I am convinced and I know from personal experience that they can use that to open doors so they can share the gospel in places that you and I will never be able to go ourselves. You know, since I did that interview with Steve, a great movie, The End of the Spear, came out. I hope you've seen it. It's played in theaters across the country and now is on DVD. But it's this story expanded and illustrated in ways that I think is really going to move you. 